0: Welcome to this week's podcast version of Scripps Five Must Know Things. This time for the business week ended 4th March 2022. This is Ian Haydock. This time, the pharma industry reacts to the Ukraine situation, a guide to targeted protein degradation, Janssen and Legends US pricing and launch plans for Carvicti, Ibsen seeks multiple licensing deals. And the fourth in the script Asks series looks at prospects for therapeutic advances. Several biotech companies could be alienating major investors and potential clinical trial sites in their calls for the industry to reject Russian investment and trade in response to the invasion of Ukraine. Derek Gingery writes that as of 1 of March, more than 500 industry executives and other stakeholders had signed a letter indicating immediate and complete economic disengagement from Russia was required. In addition to suggesting the industry cease all business involvement in Russia, signers also pledged to end investment in Russian companies and new investments in the country, reject investments from Russian funds, end collaboration or service agreements with Russian companies, and halt trade with Russian companies, except for food and medicines. The actions would be reversed upon restoration of peace and democracy in a sovereign Ukraine, according to the letter. We ask our colleagues in all the industries in the United States, including software, social media, IT, agriculture, legal and financial services, medical devices, medical instruments and minerals, to take the same steps and withhold assistance to oligarchs who enable this war, they added in the letter. We cannot look back in the future wondering whether we could have taken stronger measures. Among the letter's authors are John Maragonori, founding CEO of Al Pharmaceuticals, Jeremy Levin, CEO and Chairman of Ovid Therapeutics, and Peter Koltinsky, who is Managing Partner of RA Capital Management. The companies join growing world opposition to the Russian invasion of Ukraine and seemingly add another sanction intended to hurt the Russian economy. While the gesture may be little more than symbolic, the repercussions could be significant. Several of the letter's signatories may be seeking investment to continue or boost development programs and Russian dollars and clinical trial sites could be potentially lucrative sources. Both could no longer be available for some time even after the war is over because of the company's stance. An orphan drug consultant also wants the US Fda involved in the Russian sanctions. Former Office of Orphan Products Development Director Tim Kote, filed a citizen petition on 25th February requesting the agency stop reviewing applications from companies headquartered in Russia or with majority Russian ownership. Such a move may not be possible, but is another indicator of the growing outrage in the pharmaceutical industry over the invasion. Targeted protein degradation, or TPD, has been steadily gaining attention in recent years as a highly promising new drug development strategy that has already attracted significant investment and big pharma attention. With observers eagerly awaiting early clinical data for a range of novel TPD candidates, Scripps' Alex Shimmings explains in this infographic article how these products worked, looks at the various TPD strategies and investigation in the pipeline, and surveys the major players and deals so far in the field. The excitement lies in the fact that TPD is expected to open a new way to fight disease by targeting many disease-linked proteins that were previously thought of as undruggable. A protein target customarily considered suitable for pharmaceutical development was one that had a clear, deep, hydrophobic pocket or active site, for example those seen on enzymes such as kinases. Much of traditional drug development has been based on this occupancy-driven pharmacology paradigm. Targets deemed unamenable to drug development, including those with no obvious pocket, the non-enzyme proteins that were just too smooth to provide a nook into which a drug can lock into and thereby modulate its function. This need for an active site in the target protein has limited the scope of drug development. The human proteome is made up of around 20,000 different proteins and about 600 play a role in cancer, a key area for TBD research. But of these, nearly 400 are non-enzyme proteins. While injectable antibody-based products have been able to move in against protein drug targets found on the surface of cells, intracellular proteins have largely proved intractable to drug development. Other novel strategies such as RNA interference and gene therapy and CRISPR Cas9 technologies are being used to fix the gene for or knock out production of an aberrant protein but these strategies are also facing challenges in development. TPD, by contrast, aims to remove unwanted proteins rather than inhibit them or stop their production, and it offers a whole new theatre for drug development, one that promises to take the positive qualities of oral, easily titratable small molecule drugs to a new range of protein targets. Check out the article for a deep dive into the area. Janssen Pharmaceutical and Legend Biotech plan a phase launch of their newly approved autologous CAR-T multiple myeloma therapy, car which targets BCMA on myeloma cells to make sure treatment centres are ready to properly administer the complex product. Mandy Jackson writes that Johnson & Johnson's Janssen subsidiary and Legend will launch car at a list price of $465,000 for the one-time treatment coming in more than $45,000 above the launch price for the first-to-market BCMA-targeting CAR-T therapy, Beckma, from Bristol-Myers Squibb and the Bluebird Bio spinout 270 Bio, which was approved 11 months ago in the US. Scott White, who's Janssen's company group chairman in North America, told Scripp that Janssen expects broad commercial and Medicare coverage for Carvicti and said the list price is consistent with other cell therapies. One of the advantages we have right now is cell therapies are getting more and more established in the United States, so we are already stepping into a reimbursement paradigm that exists in the US, white noted. We feel confident in the price that we are offering based upon value, the impact it has in this population, the significant advancement in terms of clinical value to this population, and we also wanted to make sure that we have the widest accessibility. Carvicti was approved to treat multiple myeloma patients who are relapsed or refractory after four prior lines of treatment, including an immunomodulatory drug, a proteasome inhibitor and an anti-CD38 antibody. The 28th February approval came right on time after the action date was extended to give the FDA more time to review information submitted by Janssen, which was related to an updated analytical method in response to an FDA information request. Like Abecma, Carvicti is an individualised treatment that involves removing T-cells from a patient, re-engineering the cells to target BCMA-expressing myeloma cells and infusing the CAR T-cells back into the patient. That process takes about four weeks. Carvicti has been associated with slightly higher severe CRS and neurotoxicity than Abecma in clinical trials, but the Janssen-Legend product has shown higher overall response rates and complete response rates, and the companies have come up with mitigation strategies to reduce severe neurotoxicity. We're going to have a very thoughtful and phased approach to this launch, making sure that we get treatment centres up and running, that they're thoroughly trained, they understand how to safely and effectively harvest cells and reinfuse into the patient, White said. Perception of Ibsen as a conservative business has been turned on its head since David Lowe took over as CEO in July 2020, with the French company becoming a flag bearer for mid-sized pharma business development, having signed off seven external packs last year. Lowe told Scripps' Kevin Grogan that when he took the helm at Ibsen after previously heading up the Sanofi Pasteur vaccines business, we streamlined the pipeline and the reality was that there was not much left in the earlier space. Eyebrows had previously been raised by the firm splashing out just over $1 billion up front in February 2019 to acquire Canada's Clementia Pharmaceuticals to get hold of Palavarotene for fibrodysplasia, ossificans progressive, which has been on a rocky road, he acknowledged. The board was a bit disgruntled about how open they went into deal-making in the past. The company had tried to hunt in the woods of big multinationals, Lowe said. He decided this was the wrong approach as we have to go and hunt in a space where it's very well defined for mid-sized companies and we want to go for molecules which are going to sell between $300 to $800 million peak. Lowe has doubled the size of the business development team bringing in the right people adding that we also had to show the board that we were hunting across the whole pipeline. They were a bit desperate that the teams in the past pursued almost exclusively late stage deals which means that you're always running behind because you don't have an internal pipeline coming and you're always under pressure. The deals Ibsen inked last year covered the firm's three therapeutic areas of interest, oncology, rare diseases and neuroscience, and covered a range of preclinical to late stage assets. The most high profile transaction came just before Christmas, with Ibsen inking a licensing deal with fellow French firm Genfit for Ella for the rare liver disease primary biliary cholangitis. Finally, evolving challenges will keep the COVID-19 pipeline active while oncology, immunology and CNS are areas also expected to see much progress in 2022, predicted industry executives looking forward to the year in therapeutic R&D. With understanding of immune function advancing in leaps and bounds and a continuing proliferation of tools to manipulate it, expectations are high for advances in these areas, particularly oncology and immunology over the coming year. Biopharma industry executives surveyed by Scripp also flagged up rare diseases, neurology and, of course, COVID-19 as hot areas to watch this year, Eleanor Malone writes in part four of the Scripp Asks series. For example, Jason Bernstein, who's director and head of medical communications strategy at medical information app provider Epocrates, flagged up two key trends. The move from traditional care to specialty care product development and the ambition to look beyond treatments to cures, as underlying the competitive intensity in areas ranging from atopic dermatitis and ulcerative colitis to spinal muscular atrophy. He also shared his list of areas to watch for innovation in 2022, including neurology, such as Alzheimer's, psychiatry for treatment-resistant conditions using digital therapeutics, oncology via targeted therapies and emerging technologies, such as CRISPR, ophthalmology with gene modification and anti-infectives, a somewhat neglected space historically by pharma given the rise in COVID-19 and respiratory syncytial virus cases. See the full article for many more extensive views from multiple industry executives and observers in the area of predicted therapeutic advances for 2022. That's all for this week. Many thanks for listening. Log in to access all of our extensive content, including these stories, which are also linked in the article accompanying this podcast. If you're not already a subscriber, take a free trial to see what you're missing. Bye for now.